Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Do what makes you happy. That sounds so simple. If you've got to get a a quote-unquote nine-to-five punching a time clock to make ends meet, and if basket weaving makes you happy, come home and start basket weaving. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be easy. People hear when I say do what makes you happy, and they think it's just like, oh, well, fishing made Jimmy happy, and he went out and fishing, and all this stuff happened. That's not the case, as I, you just heard the story. You know that that's not that's not how it was. I mean, there was turn down on loans. I mean, I collapsed in the house one time because I thought it was over. You know, and me not getting a boat meant I, my brain I was going to die. So, do what makes you happy. You know, go through a grind if you have to. But if you keep pushing and you put the same intensity and the same work ethic forth as we did when we were slinging lead across the pond there, you're going to succeed. This is the Tom Rowland Podcast. Fascinating stories to amaze, encourage, and inspire you in fishing, fitness, and the outdoors. And we're brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee. I started this podcast as a way to connect with my friends, people that I admire and respect, and you. It has been a learning journey that's made me a better person, a better fisherman, a better father, and a better athlete. I'm so happy that you're on this journey with me, and I'd love to hear from you with show suggestions, guest suggestions, or questions. The best way to get a hold of me is through text. You can text 305-930-7346 for the fastest response, but if you prefer to email, you can send that to podcast at saltwaterexperience.com. That's a dedicated email address just for the show. If you like this show, you can show your support by posting about it on social media and tagging me. Text the link to a couple of friends that may also enjoy it and subscribe and leave a five-star review if you feel like I've earned it. The website 
is TomRollandPodcast.com, and that is where everything lives. All past shows, you can go and listen to any show. You can look up all the different shows that we've done, both the How-To Tuesdays, the Full Links, and the Physical Fridays. They all live on TomRollandPodcast.com, and the social media is Tom underscore Roland, R-O-W-L-A-N-D, on Instagram, or you can go to our big account, saltwater underscore experience. I hope to hear from you soon. So now let's get on to today's show. This is Captain Jimmy Armo, and this is the Tom Roland Podcast. All right, Jimmy, what's up, man? Uh, another day in paradise. We're trying to stay warm up here in Savannah right now, though. It's uh, It got down in the 20s yesterday. So. <laughs> That's the second time this year. That's the second time, right? The second time this year that it's gotten really cold. Yeah, yeah. This is our this is our second big cold front. So hopefully it's the last one. It's obviously going to mess with our inshore and stuff. Offshore, we just kind of kind of switch gears a little bit and just change what we go after. Mm-hmm. And on the inshore, um, mostly for those fish up there, redfish and and the other things that you're fishing for. Do you have fish kills when it gets really cold? Do you ever do that? Have that because uh, we do in the keys last- sometimes. The the last one happened actually two years before I really even just started recreationally fishing here when I was still in Ranger Battalion. It was like oh eight oh nine yeah something like that. Um, but that was the last one, and I I think they're rare here. You know, we get a couple of cold days, but I think the moving tides help. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously with the moving tides, even in the creeks and stuff, we have those, we have some really deep holes, you know, 20, 30 plus feet. You know, there's one little place where three creeks come together and it's an 80, 90 foot hole. So really? there's, nice. yeah, there's places those fish can go and hide out. And uh that's just a a guess on the tide thing. I just don't think, you know, when you as long as you get the tide moving, as long as that wind switches direction, you get a big tide it's going to push some of that warm water in. So I think that helps us too with the fish kills. Yeah. We've had um, really some significant fish kills for, from cold weather in the Florida Keys. And I'm sure that a redfish is way more um, able to, to handle the cold water than a, than a permit or a bonefish. I mean, the bonefish got hit really hard a while back, but we just had this, this same cold front that you're getting is coming through the Florida Keys. And I was thinking, man, I hope that doesn't happen again. It doesn't seem like it's going to be as cold, but uh, yeah, for the people in South Carolina and, and Georgia and your, your area, this is, you see them in their snow, snow suits and, and <laughs> that's what happens in the keys man it goes to 40 degrees and everybody's got their down jackets on and 50 degrees even i mean everything oh, I, they can I was wear down there last two last week week before last with uh with my my starbright family down there and uh there was a couple of days there you know we, we had the heat on in the pool <laughs> yeah i'm telling you it yeah, feels colder like in the keys. <laughs> it feels colder and i was i was actually happy to see this because my boys both are in um they're both in montana and they grew up you know in the in the keys and in tennessee as well and and um it got pretty cold. It was like in the, in the twenties and when they were home for Christmas and, um, they, he, he was saying, my son was saying, man, it's way colder here than in, um, than in Bozeman. And I've always kind of thought that, but I've always thought, well, maybe I'm just not 
you know, used to cold weather and I don't like cold weather very much. And maybe I'm just kind of a wimp. Um, but it definitely is, it does feel colder in an area where you have more humidity, like either in South Carolina or in Florida or in Tennessee or anywhere in the South. If it's 20, it's really cold. If it's 20 out West, those guys are skiing in shorts, man. They, they, they just, it just doesn't feel as cold, I guess, because of the humidity. I, I grew up in, um, I grew up in Virginia uh, actually right, right there in that where outside it's Northern Virginia, but mm-hmm. not the DC part. Um, DC is kind of pushed towards a little bit, but it's rural Shenandoah Valley, Appalachian mountains. Nice. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, it gets, it gets cold there. You know, the other day I, I when I was down in the keys, it got down to six degrees up there. <laughs> That's super like, cold. Don't have that. <laughs> yeah. Did you grow up with the, doing the smallmouth bass fishing and stuff? I know the Shenandoah Valley is fantastic for that. Uh, b- believe it or not, I mean, really, the only fishing I did growing up, I, oddly enough, I was considered the the city boy in the family. <laughs> um, all, every other guy, I mean, is all about hardcore hunting, you know, into the fishing. Um, it was more for the eating side of the fish. So it was basically go out, you know, and with your night crawlers. And, you know, mm-hmm. if you were going after some catfish, which my grandfather refused to eat, I just like to catch them because they were fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was one or is one of those awesome, awesome dude. Um, but I grew up doing that. Never really did the sport fishing thing. You know, we, we come from a a humble background. Um, so it just wasn't really, you know, fishing was definitely fun and something you did for recreation, but it was also, you had to double dip, you know, it was one of those things you get up in the morning after a rain and you get the night crawlers and you get them in the bucket. And then, you know, you, you take the afternoon or take a whole day if it's a weekend and you go to the lake and you don't leave and, you know, until, you, you got your bucket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you refill that bucket. So, so that's, that's interesting. So many people that, that end up professional fishermen have like a, uh, a, a story of, of being a fisherman or, or kind of a, a story about their youth, you know, with being kind of passionate about it and then maybe either refining it later. So what's your story? How did you, how did you end up fishing for a living? Uh, so, uh, like, like your shirt there, um, I believe Matt best started black rifle. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Second Evan Hafer. I, I don't, I, I don't know him. I, uh, he, I think uh, I've read about him. I think he did the one, one enlistment and did a, like four deployments cause we, uh, Rangers deploy a lot. So, um, anyway, shout out to that dude. Cause I love seeing gunfighters getting out and just mm-hmm. killing it. Awesome. Cause you always hear about the more negative stories that, you know, guys go through, which gets me to your question, answering your question. Um, so I started fishing. I, 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 I was, uh, we'll just say rough around the edges as a kid, you know, I wasn't a bad human by anything. Didn't, I wasn't a thief or anything like that, but I, a little rough, you know, I had a little bit of a wild side, if you will, <laughs> we'll, we'll leave that at that for right now. Um, and we were partying, uh, one night, you know, doing it right. And, uh, it, it was, it was 2005. Um, I come from a town, um, you know, when I graduated high school, I think the County had about 40,000 people in it. So, you know, you know, the people you go to school with stuff like that, not super tiny, but, but small enough, uh, long story longer that night we were partying, somebody turned on the news, um, which, uh, at that time was obviously just Iraq, Iraq, Iraq. Uh, 
and we had lost a, a, a good friend that I'd wrestled with and whatnot. Um, David Owens, he was a Marine. He was going to the Marine Corps serving his country. He was going to be out and be a state trooper, not the stereotypical ones that we think of. No offense. I love my law enforcement, but you know, sometimes you get a, a stereotype with that personality that wants to do that at a young age, his heart, was so in the right place. So we lost him, had another buddy, Jeremy Horsley, get hurt, um, Army, and then Charlie Haggerty got hurt, also Army. Um, and, of course, we were kids. You know, I was a hot 22 and, uh, you know, ready to do whatever, invincible, the whole nine yards. And we all started talking this anti-war rhetoric, you know, and we were getting in. And I, I started talking, and then I sat there, and I just had this eureka moment. And I said, uh, which probably had to do with the party. And, and uh, I was like, none of us have a clue. Like, I don't trust. I did back then. I didn't trust media. So I didn't go to sleep that night. And I went straight to the recruiting station the next morning. I got a ride from a, a buddy that was sober. And uh, wow, I went in and no, not, no, no exaggeration. I, I had painted it. I was a painter with my dad and uh, we had painted the recruiting station. So they knew me. I walked in there wearing nothing but a pair of shorts, sunglasses and a straw hat. True story. No shirt, no shoes. They were like, what are you doing here? And I was like, I want to go to Iraq. And he's like, what? He said, no way. He's like, you? I was like, yeah, man, I want to go to Iraq. He's like, what do you want to do? I was like, fight. He's like, all right. <laughs> so, you know, I had to get a couple things cleared up and uh, about four weeks late, four weeks later, I was, uh, I was off to basic training. So I did a, uh, did a 15 month deployment to Iraq during the Sardar city uprising, which was absolutely awesome. Um, and then I did, uh, five deployments with uh first ranger battalion, and uh, one of the our my first ranger mission that I, I was on, we, we lost two awesome dudes, um, you know, uh, Jason Dawkey and, and Eric Haria. Uh, but you can actually watch that on History Channel. It's called Objective Berlin. Uh, so I got medically discharged. Long story longer, Tom. <laughs> I ended up getting medically discharged. I did a lot of cool things. I did the gunfighting, door kicking thing. I did the surveillance, counter surveillance thing. I had the beard out to hear all that fun stuff. Uh, I got out, I got medically discharged and it hit me like a ton of bricks. I just went through a divorce. I just went to a different selection course and didn't make it and got a do not return, uh, where I kind of went down and did the kick and chicken. They did a brain scan, found a spot on my brain and they deadlined me and it took me over a year to get out. Um, and I had a toxic commander at the time. Um, and it's not his fault. I'm my own man, but I, I just went down a, a, a downward spiral. If it wasn't for a dude named Brian Jensen, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd have made it through that, but I ended up physically dependent on alcohol. Hmm. Um, I got out, wasn't taking care of myself. The house that I'm in now, it's, uh, you could barely see the floor because of trash. Wow. Um, there's also a spot where the dog went to the bathroom, you know, um, sorry, I'm going to get choked up. It's all right, man. Take your time. Um, so, you know, I was in a really bad place. You know, all I was doing was drinking, wasn't paying bills or anything. I had a five ten credit score, uh, which I didn't even know at the time because I didn't care. Um, so one night I went and bought a high end bottle of whiskey and I was fishing at the time, just when I was sober enough to, um, and that was the only time I was happy. I was mating on a boat a little bit and I enjoyed it a lot. Any other time I just didn't want to be here. So one night I went and bought a bottle of Middleton. Um, I still have that bottle <laughs> and, uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I came home and unlocked the door and started drinking and I was, you know, I was going to make that ultimate selfish decision that night. Uh, so I got what I thought was the courage. I was crying and everything kind of like I am now. I'm emotional dude. Um, I went to do it and my dog skip. I'm surprised he hasn't caused a ruckus yet. He's right there staring at me. He never (laughs) takes his eyes off of me. It's crazy. Um, he came over and put his paw on me and I just like broke down and I'm like, what am I doing? About four or five weeks later, um, I quit drinking. Um, I went cold Turkey without medical attention. Anybody listening that is physically dependent, do not do that. That is incredibly dangerous. It almost killed me. Um, mm. it, it's, it's really bad. Um, I mean, you lose control of bodily functions, your worst pain I've ever felt in my life. Uh, just from both, just from alcohol or no other drugs associated no no so there's only two drugs where the solely the withdrawal can kill you huh. it's alcohol and heroin opiates wow yeah yeah and i'm not if you can if people drink and handle it and i'm called all cool with it i every single one of my friends at least has a beer every once in a while besides maybe two um but you know somebody like me it's really bad especially when obviously when you can't control it um but yeah the with i mean it was bad i couldn't i couldn't do anything i couldn't hold down water for over 48 or for excuse me for 46 hours uh my girlfriend at the time who's still a good friend of mine um she was like if you go 48 hours i got to take you to the hospital and we hit hour 46 and I could finally hold down water. Wow. So I got through that and I was like, you know, that it's not your problem's not solved <laughs> at all. There's a big, big, big mountain in front of you. So the next step was how do I want to stay alive? You know, I need a job. I applied for 53 jobs, got one call back to watch Frozen Fruit go down a conveyor belt for 14 bucks an hour. That just wasn't for me. Um that wasn't going to be good for my mental health. So I, I hit up, I started hitting up every dealer I knew, like going in and looking at boats. And I was like, I need to be a charter captain. I need to fish every day, but I'm broke. The only way you can fish every day while you're broke is be a charter captain. Yeah. So I, my mom, who's my best friend in the world, I'm big mama's boy. Um, she co-signed for me which was a struggle because she's in Virginia and I'm down here. And that's weird. I guess on some things, I'm not a good adult. I don't know that stuff. Um, and then will of custom Marine in Statesboro, Georgia, he hit me up and uh, sorry to draw this out. There's just, oh, man, this is what we're doing. Yeah. This is just wild. Just reliving this right now with you. Um, so I, I'd gone down to custom Marine to look at boats and I couldn't afford anything, man. You know, I mean, dude, I was desperate. Um, and I don't like, I, I don't ask for things, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? It's a, yeah. it's that hillbilly. You don't, you don't ask for help and that's can be bad or good, you know? So will it hit me up being a good salesman? Hey buddy. Um, will it hit me up being, being a good salesman? I was like, Hey, you know, emailed me and was like, Hey, I saw you had stopped in, left your information. You never got back with us. Did we drop the ball? I was, I mean, dude, I was still, still tremoring from withdrawals. Like that went on for a hot minute. Like I was a mess and I emailed him back. I was standing in my driveway and I was like, Hey man, I appreciate you reaching out. I can't afford anything. Like I have terrible credit. Like I just laid it out. Like, dude, don't waste. I'm not going to waste your time. Don't waste mine. (laughs) Yeah. He said, can I call you? I was like, Oh, here we go. I was like, sure, dude. You know, (laughs) 
And he called me and he was like, how are you going to book charters with, uh, with a Virginia area code? And I said, well, I've already bought another phone. I did everything out of order. I said, I already got another phone line. I said, with a local phone number. He was like, how do you go, how are you going to market this? You're not from there. You know, charter fishing can be a very localized yeah, thing. Oh, for sure. He was like, what, what are you going to do? And I said, I, I said, whatever it takes. I was like, I, I was like, I'm at a point where I'm going to die. And I wasn't trying to sell myself to him. It was just like, dude, like this isn't a game. Like this isn't tiddlywinks. This isn't anything. I'm going to die if I get on the water. So he wanted to meet with me and I went down and there was a, a Skeeter rep down there and they were trying to make a big push into saltwater down here. And they were like, yeah, we're going to do everything we can to get you in a boat. Will worked his butt off to get me financed. And then I, my third offshore charter, I ran, went, you know, less experienced dude guide. I came back and I had a total on a six hour trip. I had 160 pounds of sheep's head in a six hour trip. I didn't realize like, I mean, I knew I, that was good, but I didn't know anything. I've only saltwater fished here. I couldn't afford charters and stuff growing up. I knew nothing, just what I'd learned, you know, working the deck mm -hmm. of a boat a little bit and, uh, and just running flat scared. I'm sleeping two hours a night, you know, depression, PTSD, <laughs> alcoholism, <laughs> and, and just, you know, just struggling, dude, I got my, I found this cleaning out my house and it just happens to be laying here. This is how I was marketing at first. My stepmom made me t-shirts and I had a brochure in here, dude. You, you, I was running six hour charters for $500, dude, in, in a little 22 foot boat, man. I mean, <laughs> I was sitting in bars, like going through recovery, which I hang out in bars and stuff. Now I'm fine. Um, I, it's still there. You got to watch it. You always yeah. keep an eye on it, but I'm, I'm good. Um, but I was sitting in bars every night, handing out business cards, like, I mean, you're talking a straight grind. I was taking people out. I'd have the flounder dialed in right next to the dock. I would take people out for a hundred bucks for two hours, dude. Just anything I could. Anything. Anything, man. <laughs> so that third offshore charter I ran, I crushed this 160 pounds of sheep's head. And then Will had me come down, the same guy from Custom Marine. Uh, the dude is, I, I think he's a guardian angel, but uh very, very special to me. His whole family's amazing anyway. But, uh, he, he said, Hey man, you need to come down here. Blair Wiggins is going to be here. Oh, cool. Well, dude, I watched him overseas. That's who I watched when I was in Afghanistan. So like, I, I was like, dude, this is cool. I, yeah. I'd like to meet this guy. So I go down I'm like, Hey man, what's up? You know, and I was like, you know, I waited for everybody. And he's like, you the sheep's head guy, you know, I don't know if you met Blair, big old boy. Oh yeah. I know Blair. And then I'm, I'm a little old guy. And, uh, I was like, I was like, I was like, I said, I said, bro, I was like, I've been running charters for three weeks. I said, I don't know what the <laughs> heck I am. And he pulled up a picture and he was like, is this you? And he was like, and you'll see a pattern. I was wearing nothing but a pair of shorts standing there like this. <laughs> not, not a fan of clothes. And he goes, uh, he's like, is this you? I was like, yeah. He's like, well, I'm going to put you on my show. He's like, what? He said, well, I can't get down till summer. I said, well, you got to wait till next winter, spring, though, because of the bite. Made it on a show, linked up with Starbright. I actually had a relapse with booze. Mm. So, and it was only a year. Never ran a charter intoxicated. Never got to the point to physically dependent. And it, I realized truly how big of an issue it was. I would be drinking at the bar. Okay, I'd get off charters, go straight to the bar. 
right? And I would drink IPAs and um, tequila, chilled tequila. And the bartender, and they were awesome. They weren't, they were not like, this isn't a diss to any bartenders because they were very cool about me. And then once they realized that there was probably a problem, but they would be like, you want another round? In my head, I'm like, no, I'm good. But I'd be like, yep. <laughs> I, I would do that five or six more times. That's 12 drinks. Yeah. Then I'd go home, go to sleep, wake up, go to charters. I mean, it, it was, and then I was like, okay, this ain't cool. You know? So I quit again. And this time, Tom, I, a clarity, like I can't explain. Um, and then things took off. And then I realized that we needed to do something for gunfighters. So I was taking out boys. I knew even if they just wanted to get on the water, but dudes, no matter what it was, they'd call me to talk about stuff. Cause I'm open about my stuff. Um, and it really took off because WTOC, Andrew Gordon, they hit me up to do a charter special. And I was like, yeah, you can do it. But I want to talk about PTSD. I woke up after that story aired to 296 Facebook notifications. Really? Oh, dude. I was like, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know what I'm doing. I got people were calling to try to give me money. And I'm like, I don't want your money. They're like, do you have a nonprofit? I'm like, no. Why would I have a nonprofit? They're like, well, you're taking vets fishing. I'm like, so what do I need? You know, that's just how ignorant I was. You know, I have the mentality. This needs done. I'm not going to do this. I'm, I'm going to do it. So a guy, a gentleman taught, spoke with me on the phone. He said, do you know anybody? He said, no disrespect. That's smarter than you. On business." <laughs> I said, thank God I do. It's actually the guy who first taught me how to throw a popping cork, Mike Weathers. So I called Mike. He sat down with me and started squaring stuff away. Well, then I just hit another gear. I started, I just started building, man, um, started marketing myself, getting with Starbright. And I mean, it feels like I'm just moved by something else. Mm -hmm. Like it's weird. So, uh, I walked back into Will's office one day and I was like, I need to upgrade boats. <laughs> and he was like, what do you mean? He's like, you want to get like 25, 26? I said, no, nah, I need about like 30, 35. <laughs> He was like, Jimmy, man, he goes, dude, your, your credits can't be that good yet. No offense. You know, everybody's so nice to me, but I, I need, I like it. I like honesty and I like it raw. So he was like, dude, just, and I was like, I said, well, are you going to help me? I said, are you gonna make me do this on my own? <laughs> he said, come in and sit down, down to the Miami boat show. I went, talked to a few different places and ended up going with a, a sportsman, um, and man, I got in that boat. And when you go, so I had an 18 foot Carolina skiff was my first boat. Mm -hmm. And I had the 22 foot Skeeter Bay boat. Now I'm in a 31 foot sportsman. So that jump, it was, I mean, I'm a kid in a candy shop. I've had it for a year and a half. I'm a kid in a candy shop. Like I, I have to me unlimited capabilities. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was making 50 mile runs, not on charters by myself, fun fishing and filming and stuff. I say filming, just making fun YouTube videos, you know, we, I was going 50 miles out by myself in that 22 foot Skeeter on a regular <laughs> basis. So now I got a 30 foot boat and I've got two engines. It's come on, <laughs> you know, I can do anything I want. So then, um, you know, with the nonprofit, you know, I'm taking guys out, I'm taking guys out, you know, once again, just cause dudes come out and maybe they're not going through anything. I'll hit up a buddy that I used to work with. that's still in Ranger battalion and be like, Hey, send me two guys that, that want a day on the water that would appreciate a day on the water that maybe they worked a little extra hard. Maybe something had happened at home. I don't know. 
And our nonprofit will do other things on the side to help people out. We keep it very small. We, we funded ourselves, mm-hmm. me, Starbright and two, two other individuals that are anonymous. Um, because I learned when you try to bring people in, um, things can get messed up. So we do it all ourselves. So one day I had a guy come with me and he was like, Hey man, um, I, I'm, you know, he's like, he got blown up twice in one night. Okay. Mm. He got, he got, he got hit with a frag, uh, grenade and, uh, not sorry. We laugh at this stuff. <laughs> he laughs at it. When he was here. Uh, he's coming over later to help me clean out of the yard. As soon as this is done, he'll, he'll be here. Uh, but he, uh, he got hit with a frag. It knocked him unconscious. He came to, and uh, they had cut his britches, his, his pants up the seams, you know, to make sure the shrapnel didn't get any femoral and all that. Doc was like, yo, bro, you're good. Well, you know, we call it bopped. He was bopped. You know, he had a concussion. Mm-hmm. Well, bopped Ranger, it's almost like drunk Ranger. Like, I can still fight, you know? <laughs> so he, he tucks his pant legs into his pants and goes into the compound and starts fighting. So he's in there slugging it out. Then he eats the overpressure from another grenade and just, boop, you know, mm. scrambled his, his brain piece there. So long story longer, he goes, gets shipped back. or he goes back home, this, that, and the other, um, just a mess stuttering, blah, blah, blah. Then one night, like two months later, he has a stroke, wakes up, calls his wife. Uh, she's a nurse. He's, you know, sick, vomiting this all. She's like, you need to go to the hospital. He's like, no. He got there. They didn't even want to do a stroke test on him because he's 20, 27 at the time, I think. He's 29 now. I think he was 27 at the right. time. He's very so young like, for a stroke. Nah, he's good. Right. And uh, his wife, you know, kind of was like, you're going to do it, boss. Well, they came running back out. Emergency surgery. Brain bleed. It was going to oh. kill him. Boom. Drill a hole in his head, right, to relieve the pressure. Put a plate on it. He comes, comes out of it. Can't talk. Can't do math. Can't solve common problems. Basically he could walk. Wow. Right. So this dude, and you got to think about this, this guy, a gunfighter, you, you've obviously had dealing with us. And this isn't a thing. Right. It's an apex predator, man. We, we are apex predators. There is nothing else on land more lethal than a gunfighter. Mm-hmm. It's just the facts of life. So when you're up here, you're at, you're at your peak. You're at the pinnacle, man, at the top of your game. I mean, you're an army ranger for God's sake, or even if you're not a ranger, you're, you're slugging it out with the enemy. It's the ultimate competition, nothing bigger. And then boom, in a flash, you can't talk. Wow. You can't solve a common problem. You can't do math. If you're somebody like me, you can't physically do what you did anymore. You don't remember where you parked your car. So you go from maybe running a program overseas where it's, it's stuff they no kidding make movies about and write books about, and you're doing this in your twenties. Like it's no big deal. Mm -hmm. You go from that to nothing. You're gone. Your purpose is gone. Right. You go from being top of the top, best of the best to just bottom of the barrel. And people don't understand that is hard. Super hard. That is a hard fall. But it's, 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 it's something that is, seems to be extremely hard, but you know, like when you say people don't understand, they don't understand because they couldn't possibly understand. And so one of the questions that I wanted to ask, and one of the places I wanted to go with this today is, is like, there's so many people that don't understand. They have empathy for 
this this people like you, you just described this whole this whole story they want to do something they but they don't know what to say they don't know what to do they don't know how to help what what would your suggestion or advice be to somebody that you know like myself i have tremendous respect for the military i i, I think that it's it's incredible and what you guys do is is absolutely amazing and when you see someone that has has sacrificed like that and given everything and then they're really having a hard time and you want to help but you don't know how like what what do you say to that that is that's the million dollar question right, right. yeah it is I mean, because there's I so mean, many that, people that want to that, that's 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 tough man you know i've i've been through it but you know my my buddy hunter his experience is different than mine you know he's getting ready to start running charters then there's guys i know it's almost okay well it's almost like uh it's basically like anything else, man. You're not going to be able to help until the person wants help. Yeah. Yeah, for um, sure. It, as simple as that sounds. And you're also dealing with an extremely aggressive personality. Right. You're not dealing with, even if they're down, it's still, you, you, they're an animal that's fight or flight all the time. And it's, you know, they're going to lash out. They're going to do this. If they're not ready, they're not ready as far as helping. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm speaking strictly my opinions on gunfighters. I am, um, I obviously I have a huge respect for all veterans, regardless of their job. Um, the thing is, is I don't understand. I cannot relate to what other people go through and what they, what, what trauma is to them. Trauma to you and I are probably maybe a little different. Um, just the same with everybody else. We're all human. So I can relate more directly to the gunfighter because I've been in that position as far as helping them. Give them tools. You, you got to remember the comparison I always make is the apex predator back in the day was the T-Rex. We've all seen <laughs> Jurassic Park, right? Yeah. Where the doctor, when they drop the goat in, right? And it's dark. And, and the doctor's like, man, T-Rex doesn't want to be fed. He does. He wants to hunt. Yeah. Well, dude, we're no different. I mean, everybody talks about peace and tranquility with fishing. I, it, I feel close to God when I'm fishing. I, I feel the peace sometimes. It's not about that for me. It is about developing a pattern of life like we did in the military, mm -hmm. exploiting a weakness in that pattern, initiating an ambush, and capture a killing. That's why I do it. So in order to help, you got you to gotta help. You got to try to remember that's what you're dealing with for the most part. You know, it might be peaceful to us, but our peaceful is different than other yeah. people's. But, but what it's also doing for you is it's 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 giving you a, a new purpose. Like you had a very like when you're in the military, everything is is very very organized. There is a very you're you're very focused, right? You're very focused on on whatever this is. You you have a mission. This is what you're going to accomplish. This that's your focus. When you get out of that, even if you're not injured a lot of people have a hard time just kind of drifting along. Like what? I don't know what to do. Like, Oh, we'll go get a job. Well, I don't know what to, I don't, there's no purpose there. How do you, how do you suggest that people find their purpose when they're out of the military? That, that's a much easier question <laughs> than, than, than folks, how to help, man. Um, I, I tell guys, and actually there's people in the service and programs that certain part of the service have made 
to try to help guys transition, which are failing in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I know new guys that failed. I just wish they would work on it instead of staying in their box. Um, do what makes you happy. That sounds so simple. If you've got to get a, a quote unquote nine to five punching a time clock to make ends meet. And if basket weaving makes you happy, come home and start basket weaving. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be easy. People hear when I say do what makes you happy and they think it's just like, oh, well, fishing made Jimmy happy and he went out and fishing and all this stuff happened. That's not the case as I, you just heard the story, you know, that that's not, that's not how it was. I mean, there was turned down on loans. I mean, I collapsed in the house one time because I thought it was over, you know, and me not getting a boat, man, I, my brain, I was going to die. So do what makes you happy, you know, go through a grind if you have to, but if you keep pushing and you put the same intensity and the same work ethic forth as we did when we were slinging lead across the pond there, you're going to succeed. And, you know, it's one thing Greg of Starbright, he's like a brother to me, man. He's just, the dude is so incredibly helpful. Um, You know, it's one thing he explains to me. We we talk about winning and success because it was one thing when I was going almost too hard, it was, you know, people be like, well, what, what do you want, Jimmy? Or you don't sleep. You don't stop working. There's a whiteboard completely covered under this. It just never stops. And I'm like, I just want to win. And they're like, at what? And I was like, I don't know, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's tough. Everybody's win is different. I, I've learned that mine is just being happy and doing what I love. And typically if I'm just doing what I love, that makes me happy. All these other good things happen. I'm trying to create job for vets. We said we were doing that last year. We've already created a charter captain. He's going to have a brand new uh, sportsman in the water here in a few weeks or about a month, you know, here in March. I mean, the dude that couldn't talk two years ago is going to be running charters. That's winning. Yeah. Cause he's going to love that job. And I've got it set up where he's going to make a, make a good living for a charter captain as he should, because we're the high, we're, we're, we hold a high standard. We use high quality, you know, equipment, gear, boats, and we take the same intensity from and not an anger, hate filled intensity, not allowed into, well, I get loud, <laughs> um, but we take the same intensity we had on, on the battlefield, executing these ranger missions, if you will. And, and we bring in, you can't, that's who you want to be on a boat with. Yeah. So if these guys go out and just do what makes you happy when you feel lost, man, I do. I still go through dark stuff. I ain't going to lie to you, brother. I wake up about four 30 every morning. I sat right over there. I sleep in a couch. For some reason I struggle sleeping in a bed. You no, know, by the end of next week, my goal is to start sleeping in my bed. I'm not with my boss lady until I call my, my, my girl. <laughs> um, or if I'm on the road, I'll, I can sleep in a bed, but it's, I don't understand dude. just certain things that are strange. I was over there at six in the morning. I just sat there hugging my dog, just crying my eyes out. I don't know why, dude. I mean, I kind of know why my head was going to some places, but just because things are good. And that's another thing I think people need to understand guys going through this, like myself and people around them. It's it's there's always going to be the darkness, man. Mm -hmm. I don't think it ever completely goes away. It's just what you do with it. You know, yeah. and I, I look at it as a blessing. It gave us a different perspective. You know, I come back here. I call what we live in now an oasis. This isn't real life. I know things kind of suck right now in the political climate and the social climate. Not to, I hate to sound like that old, that old grumpy veteran or something, <laughs> but it's like, but, but real talk, dude, it's not that bad. We, there's things that need worked on. Don't get me wrong, but my gosh, man, this place is still. 
I mean, people are like, oh, the world's coming down around us. Maybe it is a little bit, but we're talking on computers. <laughs> you got a beautiful redfish mount behind, behind you, all this beautiful art on your wall. I'm a dude, you know, who maybe by the, by the books on paper probably shouldn't be where I'm at doing what I'm doing and look where I'm setting, you know, that's a win. And it just goes back to finding that daily win. I think if that daily not drinking, don't drink. How much of your happiness, um, like, like what you just said is like overwhelming gratitude for, for what you have, whatever that is. Right. How much of that it, it, do you contribute to your happiness? Like, as opposed to, you know, thinking that things are really bad. I mean, that's a big mind shift of, of, you know, things are really bad. I, I'm, I'm not a gunfighter anymore. I'm not this, I don't have a purpose to, I'm just super thankful to be living in this oasis, man. I, I, I love this. Like, and, and how do you get from one place to another? Because you've been in both places. And that's, that's a tough one, man. I mean, it really is. But once you get to the other side, you're looking back and you're like, man, that other way of thinking was killing me. Like that, that's, that's, it's killing me. And this, and living in gratitude and living in just makes me happy and, and helping other people. And how much, how much do you kind of, you know, think about that? Or do you ever think about that, that, that you just have a total positive and negative mindset there where you are today, maybe where you were a long time ago or maybe yeah, not that uh, Tom, I can be, I'm not going to lie, man. I am a very happy. I try to be positive dude. I don't hide it. I put it all over social media and stuff. I've, you know, suffered from depression. You know, I don't, um, I tried some of the government drugs for it and they, they don't do well for me. So I just deal with it on my own. Um, one thing though, with the stand positive, um, cause I got a lot of things going on at once, you know, every, we all do, we all do, you know, trying to do stuff for, you know, my house was a mess and you're growing a business. You have a nonprofit, you're bringing this guy in that you're booking charters for you. You got a couple sponsors and you want to make sure you're doing the right thing for, for them because they're doing the right thing for you. Um, you have all of this going on and, and it's hard and, you know, you have stressors there. Hunter, the guy that I've told you about come work for me that had the stroke and all this stuff, the, the, the miracle man. He, he'll look at me and, and it just grounds you. And he's like, what do you got to be mad about? We're living on stolen time. Mm. He was like, we're not supposed to be here. He was like, and I mean, and a lot of dudes like us, I mean, I'm speaking for a few of me and my buddies. I, I didn't think I'd make it to 30. You make it to 30 and you're like, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, now it, it is. And it really puts it in perspective. We're living on stolen. We're not, my goodness. I mean, everybody's got the stories and stuff, but I mean, between close calls with IEDs, uh, g- grenades, you know, not even, you know, one, you know, directly affecting you where you have to go get medical attention uh, in Sauter city, dude, I had a sniper take two shots at me. One, he missed by a good shot and the other good ways, you know, about, about 18 inches, um, which probably doesn't sound like a lot, but <laughs> Yeah, it does. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty close. Yeah, yeah, it was close. Um, but then the second shot he took at me, so we went and started clearing. I was on a rooftop, and the second shot he took at me was it was about uh, ten inches from my face. It was less than a foot. Um, and when it hit the round, hit the wall, pieces hit me of the mud, hit me in the face. Um, and it, but all of that stuff. I mean, every single one of us, whether you know you have injuries or not, every single gunfighter has look death in the face a lot, a lot. Um, 
and that can bring on some darkness, I think. Yeah. And it's really hard because it's almost like build your tolerance to adrenaline and that serotonin and stuff that you need, that we all need. Um, but if you really look at it, like you're living on stole, like you're not supposed to be here. This is awesome. So you might as well just live it while you're here. We're living on stolen time and we get to fish pretty much every day. <laughs> I fish over 200 days a year, man. I put a thousand hours plus on my boat every year on the motors. That's I mean, you, awesome. You, so, so what you've created here, is it, is it mostly charters or mostly your, 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 uh, nonprofit that you're taking other people fishing now? What, how, how much time is devoted out of those 200 days? How do you split that up? Well, uh, so right now this year I did something a little different. I ran all my charters in the spring and summer and then November came. Um, uh, and I, I was feeling, I had a couple of, we all have them. There was a couple of trips there, but my, I have awesome clients typically. And there was a few trips there in a short time that I just wasn't feeling it. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I looked, (laughs) I can be impulsive. I turned around and looked at Hunter um, on the last trip we ran. And I said, I was like, you, you good on money through the winter. And he was like, yeah. I was like, you don't need tips right now. And he's like, no. And he was like, why? I was like, we're shutting it down. <laughs> he was like, what? <laughs> and then I just started bringing every veteran I could. Mm. Um, you know, so we were doing that about twice a week there. Um, and that stopped because we took the boat off the water uh, to get, you know, the bottom paint garments replaced to get them warrantied. And then, um, uh, yeah, that's uh, rewrapped. Um, but up until up until there, the Jan- the week of January 18th, we were taking guys every week, usually twice a week. Um, and then, uh, we'll, we'll start running charters again, um, uh, here in March. So as soon as I get the boat back, we'll start that back. And I'll, when I'm, when I'm starting off, I'm going to do a veteran trip once a week and then charters the rest. Uh, and then once the busy season really gets around, since we fund everything ourselves, um, I'll be just banging out as many charters as I can. And as long as everything, you know, makes sense money wise, I'll shut it back down in November and start taking the boys all the time again. So if you could, would you just take veterans all the time? Oh my gosh. Yes. Well, why, why don't you, I mean, like it's, I mean, you, you keep going back to this, you know, we fund it all ourselves and, and you want it to remain small, but what's the, what's the hesitation there? Why wouldn't you, allow other people to help you with this. I mean, this is, this is one of those places where people want to help people that listen to this are going to be like, man, that sounds awesome. First of all, there's tons of, I get hit up with all kinds of things for veterans, which I listen to every time, but I, how how do you know, like, and how do you know what's going on with these different programs? And there's so many of them and, 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 and rarely is one run by someone like you that you're like, okay, like this guy of anyone gets it, this guy is going to be able to really make some, some, some good. So why, what's the hesitation with allowing people to help, even if it was on an anonymous basis? Uh, I mean, I'm going to be honest. If you haven't figured out, I'm a pretty straight shooter. Um, I I have huge, huge trust issues um, personally. Um, I, I do everything I can to not let, uh, to not let my personal shortcomings um, that I work on every day as a man um, to get in the way of the business. And the reason when I say the business, I also mean the nonprofit. Uh, one thing is, Tom, from the get go, I have said this thing will not be corruptible and will not 
be for anybody to make money. So the way I want it done is I'll never take a penny from it. To be honest with you, there's been no money taken out of the nonprofit in over 12 months. So any money that goes in there has stayed in there and I've paid for everything out of my pocket, which is that I'm fine with. Um, also not taking anything from the nonprofit, I wouldn't be able to fund the business and everything else. If, if, uh, if I did it a lot more. So, and for me, in my eyes, one of the long-term helps, um, my goal is to create 10 jobs, really 10 careers. Does that necessarily mean only charter captains? Not necessarily. Um, I'm helping a guy kind of set up, um, and I've got to be vague, um, a, a business that could employ um, gunfighters um, on a part-time basis, but a, a substantial income for part-time. Um so, you know, I've got a lot of, I'm, I'm spread pretty thin. Um, mm -hmm. and these sound like excuses, but at the end of the day, it really is. If I stop running these charters and building the for-profit side, that's going to slow down on creating jobs. So what I'm hoping is, is that's, that's a huge focus of mine. Um, the nonprofit, um, is, is, right now is pretty much just getting, just getting gunfighters on the water. Um, every, every once in a while we run into something or someone that needs some individual attention and that's what we have funds for. And once again, usually I can just make a phone call and somebody takes care of things. Um, I am not opposed. I mean, I have a donation site set up and, mm -hmm. and all of that. Um, and we also, <laughs> We also ran into when I first set up the donation site and started pushing it, people would be like, well, I donated $50. Do I get 10% off of a charter? And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, man. So I just kind of was like, you know what? I get hardheaded, man. I told you I'm stubborn. I have trust issues. I've refunded people's money before. I'll be honest, you know, because you can tell there's an ulterior motive. Yeah. You know, when there's ever an ulterior motive, I'm just like, you're good. I'm, I'm. You can't. And I mean, and that's another unique thing about me, dude. I don't, I look at money as a tool. Mm -hmm. um, I've been rock bottom, bro. Like bottom, <laughs> you know, almost losing the house, the whole nine yards scraping for money. Um, and, and I'm not wealthy by any means, but I'm nowhere near rock bottom right now. The thing is, though, is I don't value money like other people do. I look at it as a tool I need to do good yeah. um, and to do things that I want to do and make problems go away. Well, it could, you, you know, you could, you could be getting a lot of your gratitude and your, 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 you know, happiness from actually giving, like you're giving your time, you're giving your money, you're giving your resources to, to take these people. And, and it is a sacrifice for you, but that may be the secret sauce is that, you know, if all the gas money was paid for and everything else was paid for, you're just giving your time and your, your money. There's not like a, there's not like a real financial sacrifice there, but you're making that financial sacrifice. You're choosing to make it. And it's, it's more rewarding to you. And you know what, At the, right now, man, it's like, whatever it is, keep doing it, man, because it's obviously working for you. Well, and it's, it's something else, Tom, I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not opposed to something, you know, if somebody, somebody like yourself that, you know, with, without meeting you just in this conversation, I call, I call people like you true believers. And, and I know that sounds dramatic, but it's an intense thing we're dealing with as well. Yeah, right. Um, so that, that being said, you know, like if people have suggestions, I'm willing to listen. Um, one of my best friends and, uh, his, his, uh, 
his brother was had a real rough rough deployment and he was a medic um but he uh he owns a couple daycares here andy Lipsky, dude is a huge huge help with everything um personal level everything uh but but he's kind of putting in my ears the way, cause he's kind of on the same page you are, mm-hmm. you know, like, Hey man, you, if you get it down to just doing your time, you know, the, the nonprofit can pay, you know, you're running 10 veteran trips a month. Well, take that percentage and you know, it goes to a percentage of dockage. It goes to right. your fuel. Right. To, and he was like, cause if it is a time thing, it's not a big deal. So I, honestly, Tom, I am, I am open to that. Well, I mean, I mean, you know, it's, it's one thing like, if you're using this to, to really, you know, it's benefiting your life and you are getting, you know, you're, you're just getting tremendous energy from, from giving. And, and that's great. A lot of people do, man. Like, like when you help someone else at your, at your darkest moment, if you help somebody else, you're going to feel better yourself. And there's that, but then there's also, man, look at what you're doing for some of these people that you're taking out. Maybe they, you you probably changed some people's lives by just showing them what fishing's all about or what what this life could be and and you are you're you're creating careers and you're creating jobs so there is also the responsibility there of how do i make this sustainable so that i can continue to do it how do i make it so that that i can help more people than i ever imagined i could help and when, if it becomes just such a financial drain on you that you're like, man, I can only do one trip a month. Like, is that really to your mission? Like, maybe it is. I don't know. And, yeah, and I, I see exactly what you're saying. Um, and I, I wholeheartedly agree. So, and once again, plan, plan shift, right? You yeah, know, yeah. You, you got to be adapt on the battlefield, if you will. Uh, so my game plan, um, as far as helping them, you know, helping people, um, one, I like to run everything like a special operations unit. Okay. I like small and efficient. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, I don't like mass blasting things and having limited impact. Um, it is, is, does that make sense? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so that being said, in my eyes, the, the, and once again, everything changes. But when we started this whole thing a year, year and change ago, like got serious about the nonprofit, because uh, uh, I actually almost semi-retired from chartering and did this full, almost full time. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, <laughs> we've, we've gone, we're all over the place with it. But my idea was to make the for-profit and a select, when I say a select few, it's not that the door is closed. Right. If somebody comes and it's genuine and they're not trying to do any ulterior motives, come on, man. You know, we're a growing family and we're down for that. The door is not closed. I don't want it to sound like that, but my idea is to make the for-profit profitable enough to where if there is not a gunfighter that would want to take it on. Cause let's be real. Not everybody wants to run a business and do all the stuff that yeah. it takes. And I don't blame them. It sucks. Um, you know, I like it, but I, I'm, I like a certain kind of stress. Um, but if it's not, if it's not, if I can't pass it off to one of those guys, then it needs to be profitable enough that a real businessman can come in. Cause if you have a real businessman, if you make it profitable enough that you can sell your company to a real businessman, you can hire a fisherman. I'm not mm-hmm. knocking those fishermen, mm-hmm. but there's two different things. I know some Epic fishermen that should still be charter captains and are not because of business. Mm. Uh, if you have, if you can get your, your for-profit, 
profitable enough to sell to a true businessman. And in that clause, you create a, a, a clause that says, hey, let's you have to keep the nonprofit going. If you if it snowballs and it slowly grows into something that is enough money is coming around into it, then you can hire a veteran and pay him a decent salary to run the nonprofit. Mm-hmm. So so this thing and I'm all like I said, I'm all for growth. But my my idea to be able to help as long as possible without the <laughs> Sounds so dramatic (laughs) without the corruption, if you will, without people getting involved and all of a sudden it just turns into taking people fishing and photo ops. You know what I'm saying? Um, that, that, that's not what I wanted. And I, I just, for me, for the time being the slow growth, developing the for-profit and then eventually creating more jobs within the nonprofit, just because I won't take money from it doesn't mean long-term that I don't want it set up to where I can get, have a person or two making money off of it Sure, and not in a malicious way. That would be their job. Yeah, no, it has to be. And I mean, that's that's how nonprofits are sustainable and continue to to go. And plenty of nonprofits have lots of corruption in them. And you can you can run yours however you want. You know, you just got to stay. You just got to stay focused on on looking at it and making sure that that's that's what happens. But um, I also want to talk about um, great white sharks. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm, I'm fascinated with, with sharks. I'm fascinated with, 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 uh, with all kinds of sharks. I've never seen a great white. I've never even seen one. And, yeah. uh, yeah, I mean, there are some in the keys and some people see them and it's becoming more frequent. Um, I think that people see them, or maybe it's just that more people have cell phones in their pocket. And when one shows up, it's not that, you know, that, that, big of a stretch to, to actually get footage of it. And then you would also see, you know, people would say, man, there's this big shark. I don't know what it was, but it was the biggest shark I've ever seen. And it came in and it ate this other shark that we were, that we were catching or it ate, you know, a sailfish or it ate something else. I don't know what that thing was. Well, now you know what it is because there's, there's three minutes of video from, from the tower and it's absolutely a great white shark. So, and then you see all the great work that that O Search has done, and there you can see where these things have have tracked through the keys. And certainly in your area, man, um, they are they are there. Um, but you you caught one, right? Yeah, yeah. We uh, we we lucked out, man. We were I was out there with uh, the Palmetto State Armory crew. Uh, the the they're. I love those guys in there, but, uh, had them guys out on the boat and we were out there and, uh, we said, Hey man, um, that's actually what got Hunter one. And this is, this is the second one we've caught. Um, and he, uh, which was just a freak thing with Hunter. Uh, this was obviously a freak thing and we were out there just catching fish. And I said, we were like, Hey man, let's, let's try to, let's see if we can, I want to see a thresher. I've said, I've seen a thresher before. I swear it was a thresher. I've got my buddy, Andy, that I told you about says that it wasn't a thresher. <laughs> so if I get a wild hair and colder water, I throw a bait out. Cause I'm going to show him a thresher before I die. Mm-hmm. You know, you know how it gets me get yeah. a little com- competition. So we were out there messing around and um, we're, we're overrun with uh, the, the snapper up over here, the American red. Um, um, so we're sitting there and it was like, okay, let's see if we can catch something a little bit bigger than a snapper. Right. You know, and of course in the back of my head, I'm like, come on thresher, you know, but really <laughs> probably going to be a sandbar or something like that. Throw the, throw a, uh, uh, throw the leader out, you know, strap a Benita to it, throw it out there, uh, put a sinker on it, shoot it to the bottom. And that thing, when it started taking off, I was like, and it dropped the bait and then it came back and I was like, that's weird. (laughs) 
then I went, picked it up again, went tight, dropped the bait again. And I was like, okay, came back. And I was like, this, this is, a, this thing ain't scared. Whatever this is, it's not scared. And then in the video, you can see it goes up to the bow. And that's when I flip out and I thought he dropped it and he was just swimming back to us. And you can kind of, if you're a fisherman and you're watching me reel on the bow with that 50 mm -hmm. wide, you can kind of look at it and be like, and you can kind of see Hunter goes like this, like, Oh no. And then you kind of see me like, I'm just blowed. I'm like, and then you kind of see me because I'm looking and I remember seeing the line go like this. <laughs> and I was, yeah, I was like, hold on now, hold on. Uh, and then once we realized it was white, we obviously put the heat to it to, you know, get the joker next to the boat, you know, because mm -hmm. they're protected and to get the hook out of it. Um, and we didn't get the hook out because it was, I couldn't see it and I didn't want to, I got a sharky hooker, one of the big mm -hmm. ones. I wasn't, a, if I got a, I don't fish for the hook, man. <laughs> That's bad for that fish, but, uh, it was wild, man. I mean, we saw it come up to the surface and just, just that feeling. I, I mean, it was, oh my gosh. Ugh. And when it circled around and, I actually got to touch it. You know, I got to look in this animal's eyes and it was just kind of like, what has this shark been through? It's, it's, it's like us, it's an apex predator, mm -hmm. you know, and that shark, it eats its siblings in the womb. Then it's thrown <laughs> into the, and it's thrown into the world by itself to survive. Almost like when a gunfighter's in the darkness and he feels like he's all by himself and this side and the other, and you're just swimming and attacking and fighting and doing everything you can to be a big, strong shark. And if you grow into a big, strong, great light, you're scarred up from battle. You're, you're, you, you, but you've made it, you made it on your own and you're the king of the ocean. Yeah. Nothing will mess with you. So there's just that huge connection there. Uh, and then, to, you know, just touching that animal was unbelievable. Uh, and, and it's funny, I'm like scared to death to get in the water. Like I don't get in the water at all. Like I'll get in at the beach or whatever, but I'm not, I won't dive. I don't get in offshore. I don't play with that. Um, just, I, I ain't no Navy SEAL, uh, <laughs> not, not doing it. So just, just that, I mean, I wanted to get in the water with it. I mean, I, it was, Did you? it was hit. No, God, no. <laughs> I was I thinking, I didn't see that part of the video. Man. No, man. Um, um, but just, I'm looking at it. It's on my screensaver right here, that eye. Oh, gosh. Um, but it, it was just it, nothing like I could ever, I've ever experienced. It's so hard to even describe, except for that connection that I felt with that animal. It's just, it's, it's magic. That's super cool. Know? The one that I saw, I don't know which one of the videos I watched. I don't know if you have videos of both the ones you've caught, but mm -hmm. the one it didn't look like the biggest great white shark. It was kind of a me me medium sized yeah, one. Right? It was a little guy. Yeah, it was it was kind of. The, well, the I didn't want to. I didn't want no disrespect. I'm just saying. No, I've caught. I've caught plenty. I've caught sharks that were the same size as the ones that of that great white, like a big bull shark or a big, you know, even a big lemon or something like that could be in that same size. Maybe like, it, it was probably like what, 300 pounds, 200, 250, 300 pounds. Uh, no, it was, it was closer to five. Okay. So um, five. That, yeah. That's it. It was not big. It was about eight feet, yeah. which is a, so an eight foot, eight footer and they're, they're thicker and bigger. How does that shark, an eight foot great white, you know, and I, I wanted to ask this because that I, I don't see people catch them that size where you can compare them to another shark that you've caught. So if you've caught a bull shark, you know, in similar yeah. size and you caught a, a or any kind of shark of similar size, how what was the fight like? Does a great white shark fight harder than than a, a bull a shark? Hard, a lot harder. A lot. Um, so 
when you when you put heat to them, they don't stop. Hmm. They keep going. I've hooked one full size adult. She was about fifteen feet. Wow. Um, which Google says is over a two thousand pound fish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's like a clip on YouTube of it jumping out of the water. Wow. Yeah, I was by myself, four foot seas, backing down like it was. <laughs> Like, and that's not be, you know how it is when you're watching a video, you'll, yeah, you'll yeah. if you, see it, you'll be like, Oh yeah, that's, that's not a nice ocean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it was, uh, it was wild. And that was a, that was, I was just out there by myself catching bull reds, minding my business, you know? And cause it was cold, it was snotty. It was a little rainy. And I was like, oh, I'm going to throw this big bait out the back. And it, I, next thing you know, I look over and I see a fin. Mm like circling a, bo- a a piece of cardboard. And I'm like, what is that? I, 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 I thought maybe I knew what it was. Yeah. I mean, this dorsal, it, yeah. it was in the tail wasn't out of the water. Oh. So you know how big a shark is when you see that much of the dorsal and no tail. Hmm. So I was like, Oh my gosh. Um, biggest shark I'd ever caught before that was a, uh, about 13 foot tiger shark. Mm-hmm. Okay. We had residents out there, you know, we'd pull them up and catch Kobe off of them and all that stuff. Um, not even I fought that fish for two hours and 24 minutes. I'm convinced she was feeding hmm. when I had her hooked up. Really? Cause she would go to the, I'm not exaggerating. I she got those big redfish. She would go back. So two and a half hour fight, great white shark fully locked out on a pin 50 wide, hundred hmm. percent locked out for t- over two hours. That fish would run as long and as far and as fast as it wanted. And I'm not exaggerating. Wow. I've got, I, can, I got clips of it still. I kept all the raw footage of it. And it, it was just, it was, I think I got a clip I made on, on uh, YouTube. Um, but the reason I think she was feeding is that she would go back once again, two and a half hour fight. You move 860 some odd feet. <laughs> so she would, we, she would make a run and she came all the way out of the water once shark week style came out of the water. Wow. And you see that all splash the water. It was like 200 meters away on a GoPro. Once again, a fisherman, you can look at it. You'll be like, mm. you know, other people I think look at it and they're like, yeah, it's a big animal. <laughs> I was like, cause we don't understand the camera thing. You're like, Oh my God, that is big. So, but she would run. And then all of a sudden there'd be head shakes. Now mm. imagine, imagine and throw fisherman exaggeration in there say she was 12 feet. Mm-hmm. I've never seen anything this wide. Yeah. Uh, it was the biggest animal I've ever seen in my life. So you can imagine the head shakes. Mm-hmm. So the head shake, this unlimited class rod, well, that's a rod I was using was an unlimited class would go fully bent over. It broke the gunnel yeah. on my boat, the wow. inlay. Wow. Yeah. Cause she was locked out. I got it on film and she raises the gunnel. Wow. I'm not, that's no BS like fiberglass popping whole nine yards. I mean, and it's obviously a well-made boat. It's, you know, 2020, it's yeah. not an old boat. And, uh, so it, that's how powerful they are. And that the rod would, I mean, the, the rod would just completely bend and then come mm-hmm. slide yeah. so violent. And I mean, to the point where you're fighting the fish and you're just like, cause if something breaks, it's, yeah. it's going to hurt you. Yeah. That's how it is and, with uh, the big hammerheads too. Like when you catch exactly. the big hammerheads and Imagine they have such one. a big head shake that the rod goes completely slack and then completely bent and yep. it'll, throw you it'll pull you right out of the boat you gotta be really super careful oh it's it's and imagine that just on steroids Mm -hmm. and that's what it was and then the reason i think she was feeding is you know a seconds a minute whatever it was you you know how time is when you're doing something like that um the birds would be feeding on top of the water oh (laughs) what else is she doing right and that wasn't one maybe coughing stuff up maybe 
could yeah, be, yeah. could be, yeah, you know I mean? A lot of, a lot of times that's, that's why you catch more fish. Like action brings more action. Like when you're bringing fish up, they start coughing up everything. Then the other fish come in and they start eating that. It's almost like a chum bag, you know, but the best video that I've seen of a shark, um, about that same size is there's a, there's a pretty legendary, um, captain in the keys. His name's Paul Ross and his son is also named Paul Ross. And he's, um, both of them are really good, but Paul Ross senior, it has a boat called the relentless and you can get on his Instagram and it scroll back a couple of weeks and they're bringing in a big, uh, kingfish or a wahoo. I think it's a kingfish and man, this thing just comes right under the riggers and he's, he's shooting it from the tower and man, you can see that thing so well. And it's, it's as long as other sharks that you've seen, but this thing is so wide. It is just so big and wide and it takes a big swipe at this, at this kingfish. And they're actually kind of like jerking it like a, like a surface lure, right? They're like, make it, make it move. And they start pulling it and pulling it, pull it. And it, it comes up and this, it just pulls this big wave with it and comes right to the side of the boat. But the light is perfect and you can see it in the water. You know, a lot of videos are like, you know, they're shot into the glare and you're like, I think I see what this one, it is as clear as a bell. And that's happened more and more in the Keys. And I know it's happening so much in your area because uh, I see this other Instagram account that I follow and he's a little north of you, I think, but they catch a lot of them, man. All kinds of big sharks up there, but th- they do, they do get the, the, the great whites. And, um, that's a, that's an animal that I'd love to see. I don't necessarily have to catch it myself, but I'd like to see one like that. Well, like man, really you close. Wanna, I mean, we, we can't go out there and try to catch them. And honestly, I wouldn't even know how to target them because they're tricky animals. You're more than welcome to come up here and fish with us, brother. Well, yeah. we'll, uh, I, I would love to put a, me and Hunter will come out with you and we'll, we'll bring a ranger buddy or two with us. And, uh, I mean, come on up, man. Sounds fun. Even for the, even for the, uh, the, the big, the big redfish. I don't, I don't know if it, I haven't done any offshore fishing in your area inshore, um, for the redfish a little bit. Um, but we had a, we had a redfish tournament in Georgia somewhere. And then, um, certainly fished in South Carolina, you know, in the, in the high tide grass marsh kind of thing where you wait around. That's pretty sweet. I like that, but I've never done any offshore fishing there. I don't know. Well, and um, oddly enough, just uh, that that winter time when those when those big sharks show up, um, you also uh, that's your best time on the reefs for the bull reds. Oh yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd like my, to try that. So, where are yeah. you? You're Tybee Island. I'm I'm actually I live on Wilmington Island, which is Savannah. Uh-huh. So I used to work out of my boat used to be on Tybee. Now it's on the next island in. Um, it's two bridges. It's a couple miles. Yeah. Uh, so I'm Wilmington Island. I'm two miles from my boat ramp, but if you're in Savannah or Tybee Island, um, it's they're they're 20 minutes apart. So we're kind of in uh, in the middle, little closer to Tybee. Nice. So but that, yeah, that's where we're out of, man. And like I said, dude, if you want to come up and, and try the the bull reds and we'll throw out a big bait for fun, um, I love we love taking our, our light tackle out there on those wrecks and just chasing those bulls. I mean, that's that's a lot of fun. Yeah, that'd be fun, man. That'd be fun. Well, so. Where, uh, where do you see your, uh, see your program in the next couple of years? What do you think? What do you think it, if you were to blue sky, what would you, what would you think? You get the 10, you did get the 10 jobs by then or, oh, or no. are we moving I, slower? I, no, I mean, I'd like to, I'd like to think, yes. Um, the, the, the job part is hard. Um, and we're, we're also working on like with people with custom Marine, like they, they want, they're trying, looking for a mechanic lead 
and they have an awesome climate controlled shop that's brand new that they're building. Um, and that, and they want, you know, will, he was like, find me a Jimmy. <laughs> so, so we're trying that. So I had two years, um, really my, uh, my big focus right now is make sure Hunter it, it gets established and that goes smoothly. You know what I'm saying? That's my, my, my biggest responsibility right now. Um, uh, and then once we prove and show and prove that that works, um, hopefully we can bring on another guy as a mate and, um, continue to grow on that. end. as far as the nonprofit, um, I mean, you know, if you come up, I'm sure this isn't going to be the last time we talk and I, I hope you do come up and fish. It'll be a good time, brother. Yeah. Uh, you, I'd like to introduce you to some of these, some of these just complete rock stars that I know that you, most people don't get to meet. You yeah. Know? That'd be awesome. I was an average ranger on best day, but these guys that I'm surrounded by are epic. So, uh, but yeah, man, um, I just lost my train of thought thinking about my one buddy who lives around the corner. <laughs> um, we were saying the bull reds coming up for that. Yeah. And then, and then uh, uh, two years, two years. yeah, two years. Uh, nonprofit wise in two years, um, I definitely want to have it organized to the point to where I have a set number of trips. Um, I don't have a number in my head yet. So, uh, uh, and also, um, I'm, I want, and I'm hoping this happens in the fall. Uh, I was, I wasn't going to talk about it till I figured out more about it. So next fall, what I really want to do, um, and I want to do it for and, and film it for the YouTube channel is I'd like to, and if we get different veterans in different locations, that's cool. But next fall or next winter, I want to do, I want to go on the road for like 10 days, not drag my boat, maybe get charters, maybe drag an inshore boat or, you know, wh whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, the hit, hit places like I want to fish Louisiana. Like I'm going to the outer or outer banks to tuna fish here in a week or two. And I'm taking a guy or two up with me to that, you know, if, if they can shake free, that was kind of one of those, you have to go this day. Here's the money, you know? Um, so we'll, we'll see if that works out, but I want to really do, and I've talked to Greg from Starbright about it, like hit like Louisiana, you know, the West coast of Florida, the keys and, and ended up here. Do we start in Savannah and then, you know, hit Cocoa beach and then hit Lauderdale slash the keys, you know, I, I try a Bimini trip, but I, I want to start bringing some of these gunfighters on stuff like that. Like I want to do cool stuff, yeah. but I want these guys to come up. I, I want to watch them do cool stuff. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh like, yeah. Yeah, you know, I still sense. haven't caught a tarpon. Um, I've, I've taken my buddy. That was, if you ever seen black Hawk down, there's a guy who gets shot in the radio. Yeah. That guy who actually got shot in the radio is one of my best friends. Wow. He's actually wow. getting his captain's license to help up at uh, what is the big lake in Georgia Sinclair. Maybe I think he lives on Lake Sinclair. Okay. And, uh, but he's going to start, um, he's got a pontoon and stuff. He's not really, on the fishing side of things. Um, we're getting him linked up with a guide that's a veteran up there though. Right. Mm -hmm. So he's the veterans going to hopefully take care of some of the fishing things and we'll cover his expenses. And then my buddy can take out kids, whole families, you know, he's got the magma grill on the boat, like a, the giant Mac daddy mm -hmm. one. Um, and he can do the beach stuff, obviously drop a bait to the bottom, whatever. Um, so, so we are looking to expand in that way. Um, but that's in, in, in two years, I just want to that continue can continue to evolve. I think if I just, if I stay on the right path and continue to do the right thing, I think it'll grow organically. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I, <laughs> I I'm going to be a salesman here because we all got to be salesman at the end of the day. I can tell you right now, I will be absolutely shocked. I'm not going to guarantee because there's no guarantees in life. Right. 
I'll be absolutely shocked if you come up here and fish with us and you are not just wanting to be as big a part of it as you can, not dedicating all your time or anything. And when I say all you, all you can, if you free up three weekends a year, cause I know guys like you are, y'all schedule is absolutely chaotic. Nothing else. No, no other way to put it, but you, you'll be, you will be away doing your job and doing what you love. And in the back of your mind, you're going to be like, <laughs> What are them? What are them not lucky American fishing charter boys doing up there? <laughs> and, and the reason I'm saying that is the people that have become very close to this, that, and the other. That's that's what happens. I mean, you just nice. you, you just can't. It, it, it's addictive, man. Just being around the the positivity, watching watching the struggles sometimes, you know. Yeah. And, and watching it all come together on a boat. And seeing and, and in the back of your mind, knowing every every dude that you're out there with has gone through their own battle off the battlefield. And at the end of the day, man, what type A male personality doesn't want to hang out around a bunch of dudes that have done, you know, four or five? Some of my buddies have done 18 plus deployments. Dang. Yeah. What what type A personality American God loving dude doesn't want to hang around like you know what I mean these dudes yeah. that have done such incredible things you know yeah. <laughs> like I, I, that's why it's one of the reasons I do it I get to hang out around these awesome guys and it, it's 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 amazing man so hopefully you'll you'll come out and give it a shot yeah brother. I'd love I, to I'd love to do it I'd love to do it um, how do uh, how would people support what you're doing well you you can go to um, uh, notlucky.org. Uh, okay. You can actually do not lucky with too. a K. Hey, yes, sir. Thank you. K N O T L U C K Y dot org. If you mess up and hit.com, it'll take you there. Cause I, I think even if you spell it wrong, it'll take you there. Cause I bought a lot of the things that sounded cool. like it. Um, and also a, a big support that helps everything is obviously, um, as you well know, hitting that subscribe button on the YouTube channel, American fish and charters. We're on all social media platforms. I'm even learning the, uh, what are all the cool kids doing? TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My daughter told me I couldn't be on there. She, she said I don't, that was I don't cool. understand it. I remember it about once every couple of weeks, I put a cool little video clip up of a fish jumping out of water or something, but, but we're on all that stuff. And obviously that support helps. But if you, if people are trying to financially support, not, not lucky.org. Um, and, and once again, the money, uh, hundred percent, to the nonprofit. I don't take anything from it. Gotcha. Awesome, man. Well, I've loved uh, getting to know you and catching up a little bit and, and finding out what you're doing. You're doing great work, man. You really should, should keep going, it, man. Keep going. Thanks for dealing with my, my random brain bouncing around everywhere. That's what I we're wish here. I could blame all the concussions, but, uh, but I, I was always a little scatterbrained even before that. <laughs> Yeah, man. Well, um, that's awesome, man. Well, well, good job. I'm glad to see you on the, on the right track and, and living such a positive life, man. You're just, you're doing great work for, for yourself and for other people. So Thanks, should be, Tom. I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, uh, absolutely. All right. Well, that's going to be it for today. And, uh, if you want to, if you want to, um, follow Jimmy, go to the website, go to the social media, check him out all over the place and see all the good stuff that he's doing with the veterans and, and, uh, Go take a charter. He promises yeah, it's going to yeah, be good. Yeah. Come, come book Hunter. Come yeah, book Hunter. He's yeah. going to be on that 24-foot brand-new boat. There you I'm go. Trying to load, I, I want him running through the pace. His goal is to hit 200 charters his first year. There you go. There so you go. That's what, uh, that's what we're going for. So right. uh, if you call, make sure you ask for Hunter. He, he's better fisherman than me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, that's great. great one for this week. We'll see you guys next week, and uh, we're out. See you.